0: want to go to there. Snipe! I saw it in the and I just couldn't resist it. Francie
1: doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
2: Are we having
1: fun yet?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes!
1: 30 Hellens yes. agree.
2: Never mind. Maybe the
1: dingo ate your baby, huh? It's a plan, actually.
2: Would you believe
0: it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, full hearts, get Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalswick, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
1: It's hot. <laughs> it's really, it's really hot. And you don't get to complain because you have AC, and I don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I No complaining for, for me over here. I grew up without AC. Uh, I know many, many. Horribly muggy, hot, terrible summers uh, in Chicagoland without AC. Uh, I do not envy you your position right now. Uh, for our Canadian listeners, the humidity index or whatever is what?
1: Uh, well, it was it was forty a little bit ago, which is one hundred and four in your dumb American numbers.
0: Yeah, so it's really that's really hot. Um. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, luckily, I haven't been able to sleep, which means I've been able to do a lot of TV watching.
0: Which is good, because there's a lot of TV that we're talking oh, about this God.
1: week. God. Yeah, there's a lot.
0: Yeah, and I'm still not caught up on... I still have watched uh, only one episode of Orange is New Black Season 3. I've watched one episode of BoJack. Uh, you've watched that whole season. We're going to talk about, about, about that one this week. But, yeah, there's... I'm not... I'm not catching up on more things because more things keep happening. I keep forgetting that Masters of Sex is a show that I want to watch. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm not even caught up on that. And there's only been one episode I needed to watch this week's episode to stay caught up. It's been. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. TV wise. It's OK. We,
1: we, we both got a couple things each to catch up on. Yeah, it will happen. But we're, we're mostly on the same page this week.
0: Mostly Uh, this week, we got to talk with John Clark of caffeinated comics about uh, about young the young ones, the cult British comedy, which is really cool. And uh, a very it was a very entertaining day for me because I just watched that whole thing in one sitting and it was not designed for that. So that that was a lot of fun. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah. So so that that'll be coming later in the show. Very glad to have John on Uh, John. Uh, was one of the, was at the Supernatural conference uh, that I did over at DePaul this this past year, and so got to guest on his podcast, and he's on ours now, which is great. So that's coming at the end of the podcast. Uh, but we should get into our weekend in TV. I know we said we're going to do listener feedback, but we haven't actually gotten any emails uh, or uh, comments to the website this week, so we're not going to do it. We did, however, get another rating in iTunes, and we should mention uh, that. We're all good in iTunes. The reviews have not disappeared. Either I was mistaken or they reappeared magically. Doesn't matter. We have them, so thank you all for having reviewed us in the past. Your reviews have not been lost or disappeared into the ether, which is, of course, a very happy-making thing. Uh, A less uh, happy-making thing. Very unfortunate uh, news. We had a number of notable actors um, and uh, creatives pass away this this past week uh are, were there any particular that you wanted to, to mention here or discuss a bit
1: i wanted to specifically mention george Coe, who i guess most relevant to our interests as the voice of woodhouse on archer for the first four seasons mm-hmm. and i i guess we were wondering all season why is there no woodhouse and i guess now we know um but i also i didn't realize that he'd had a, a huge career and he was one of the original cast members of the precursor to snl yeah uh so yeah i anyway i mean he he had a he had a a a very long storied career so nothing to feel uh too horribly depressed about but still it's a it's a loss
0: yeah definitely um it, it it's always a bit of silver lining when you can you know with the increased visibility of some of these uh performers uh, with their passing, you can discover some of their earlier work and really pre- appreciate some of the, their, their contributions. And that's something I look forward to going through, because cause you sent me his CV, and it's ridiculous. So I look forward to going through that, hopefully when I have some time this week or the next, uh, and really diving in with some, some more of his work. Um, but we do have a lot of shows this week on Our Week in TV, so we are going to move swiftly on uh, to Our weekend Comedy and Reality. So we'll be right back with that after this. Comedy and reality. We're going to preview the upcoming season of Rick and Morty on Adult Swim. Uh, Then I'll talk briefly about the pilot for dates, uh, which is currently airing on the CW, as well as the top 20 for So You Think You Can Dance. Then we'll both talk about the uh, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll pilot. I've actually seen the first five of that. You've seen the first one. We'll talk about that. Then the premiere for Married, Thanksgiving, BoJack Horseman, season two on Netflix. Uh, Again, I've seen the first episode. You've seen the the entire season. And then we'll both talk a little bit about uh, Key and Peele, Airplane Showdown. So first up, uh, Rick and Morty, which a lot of people loved that first season. I liked uh, that first season. How are you with season one and how are you with what we've seen so far here of season two?
1: Uh, I think it's it's got a very strong premiere, and uh, I, I mean I think season one had some uh, a few tricky episodes. It had a, I think a rough go at the beginning, just with you know I you know you can go back and listen to old televerses if you want and get a <laughs> better idea. But you know the voice work took a little bit of ironing out, and I think it took a you know like many comedies, it took a little bit of time to find its voice, but it got increasingly confident over the course of that first season, and. It feels like they're running with that in these uh, in these early episodes, and they in particular. There's this ridiculous split screen gag that ends up taking over this episode, and they just keep literally doubling down on it. And I never really got tired of it.
0: No, I really like that approach. Uh, that when we get to that part of uh, is that the premiere? Or is that the second?
1: That's the. I'm That's pretty the sure premiere. It's the first one. Okay.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, that that was a a very entertaining take on a familiar sci-fi trope. And I really like what they're doing in these first two episodes. Very glad to have the show back, and I'm I'm glad to be able to be fully on board with it in a way that I wasn't in season one. For most of season one, not all of season one. Um, so yeah, I really like these first two episodes. That split screen thing that you mentioned was very good. I feel like they have a better sense of the uh, the kids versus the parents. And and mm-hmm. you know really having the, building that dynamic well they have a, they have a much better sense of the relationships at this point I would say and I think because uh, this is something I talked about uh, I should have mentioned this earlier but this week I was a guest on Hey Watch this to talk about uh, Comic Con with with our you know friend of the show David Bax and uh, I was recommending to him that he should check it out and if, if you haven't checked out Rick and Morty yet then I think you should you know tune in and, and watch these first couple episodes because. If you like them, you'll like the show. And if you don't like them, probably it's not a show for you.
1: No, I think these are, these first two are among their strongest episodes. And it definitely feels at this point, and it should be obvious, but I haven't heard anyone else say it this, this explicitly, is it feels like the edgier air to Futurama, except thanks to shorter season orders uh, and maybe a slightly stronger sort of uh, authorial voice behind it, it, I think it has the potential to be more consistent.
0: Yeah, because Futurama is a show that uh, I have a, a much, much, much stronger connection to than Rick and Morty. And I would be, it would take a lot for me to wind up um, liking it or having a closer place in my heart for Rick and Morty than for Futurama. But even I can, as a big fan of the show, can't uh, ignore some of the dips that start coming more and more frequently um, in quality in certain seasons of, of Futurama. So. I would love to see that happen, you know, and I do think it it is a sort of, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. It is a bit of a successor in the mad science kind of way, but again, without that need to have likable characters necessarily.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, but I think it's careful to to do the the sort of, I mean, I know it's not technically a Dan Harmon show, but it does that thing of sort of, that that sort of wounded cynic thing where it's it's never quite entirely blackhearted. it always has sort of that it 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 fights hard to, to hide its its gooey core but it is in there
0: yeah it, it definitely is um so yeah i i like i said if you haven't watched rick and morty you should probably check it out if you're at all interested and if you have watched rick and morty you're gonna like this new season
1: Yes. I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone who even remotely enjoyed the first season not being totally into these first two.
0: Yeah. Um, the next show we have here is Dates, which uh, is premiered on the CW last week. And I hadn't uh, watched it, but it's a pilot airing on a network. So I talked so about it, watched it. So I watched it. Um, and this is actually a show from a few years back on the BBC. Uh, I I think it's the BBC It you from the UK uh, starring Una Chaplin. And um, so I was very excited when I saw that. And the opening credits are just so, such a British show credits from a couple years ago. It's really entertaining. Um, But I really did not like the first episode of this. And who knows, maybe it's, I don't know what the structure of the whole show is, but the pilot is two characters on a blind date. And uh, I really kind of hated its gender politics and like... It's, it's all beats you've seen before, and the one character is, uh, really bitchy, and she, but she is that, because she's got, uh, she's, has this gruff exterior, because she's so pretty, so people don't take her seriously, and, and then this war, this nice, uh, guy that she kind of treats like crap, but then he dismisses her, and all of a sudden she's interested, and he doesn't tell her to fuck off, because she's so beautiful, and it's just all this stuff that is is really toxic. It's the kind of stuff that I hate. Um, what There are a couple of things that were interesting about it. I do like the performers as much as I didn't like the characters that they were playing. I was like, you're doing a good job of playing a character that I do not like at all. Um, but th- the camera had very few cuts. And so that was something that really... Distinguished it from other shows that I have seen in this model over the past couple of years from American TV camera work. That's just much happier to just sit and watch Una Chaplin for extended takes, and then cut to the guy and watch him for an extended sequence, as opposed to constantly having an over over two shot or something like that. uh So that was that was actually kind of nice, and I noticed. I was actively noticing that as I was watching it because it felt refreshing. Um so that was nice, but yeah, just I have no interest in toxic people and um and really retrograde gender tropes. So like and and maybe that's because it's a couple years old. So that maybe that's why I feel like I've seen this a bajillion times. Um because maybe back in you know, 2011 uh 2012 I hadn't seen this a billion times, but uh yeah, it it felt like um like British mixology feels a little too harsh because really there are only the two characters, but what the one of uh, the Olivia Munn character from uh, mixology, yeah, I was reminded of her in this. Um, so that's not a good that's not a good thing. You don't want to be reminding people of mixology. Uh, so I will not be watching more. Maybe it gets better. Let me know, listeners, especially if you've seen the whole British. Uh, season and you you know like maybe this is something where you watch her on a different first date each episode and she you see how she changes over the course. like that could be really interesting but without knowing that to start off with i'm not interested in following either one of these people again dare
1: i say d- dare i say it may also suffer from coming immediately after a far superior british import romantic comedy
0: well that's that certainly doesn't doesn't help, uh which he's talking about catastrophe if you miss that televerse listeners um but uh it's just such a different show from that that it that didn't really that parallel didn't really come to mind. What came to mind was you're the worst only if it wasn't funny and wasn't trying to again, because it's literally just the date, so it's just them sitting at a table and talking um I that... can't
1: imagine a less appealing show than you're the worst except not funny like that's <laughs> If that's like the one sentence if if you were to say crossed with stalker, I guess that would be worse, but that would
0: be worse, but yeah, that's basically what it felt like, so uh yeah don't 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 check out dates, but i mean, I think it's great that the c w is importing British shows, just you know maybe ones that are funny if you're gonna if if you're going for that, you know yeah maybe if they if they had built this as a half hour drama, I would have probably. Been more receptive to it, but still not enjoyed it. So that's sort of where I am with that one. uh Much happier news for the So You Think You Can Dance top 20, however, because I have to actively. This feels weird. I've got to praise Jason Derulo a little bit here. It feels. <laughs> exactly. That's the correct reaction. um He did a pretty good job. The, the terminology he was using, his vocabulary with which to give comments. Was not great, but he was giving useful comments, um, as was Paula a couple times. Both um, the thing with Paula so far this season is when she gives critiques, they are valid, good critiques, but she doesn't want the crowd to not like her, so she immediately backpedals from them. Um, she won't commit to them and that's incredibly frustrating so she'll start to give a good comment and then she'll water it down with but it doesn't matter anyways because everybody likes you and I like you too and you're great it's like uh, give a you know give a useful critique that's come on that's your that is literally your job um, well I guess her job is to get people to watch but um, yeah that that it was nice to see them giving critiques. It would have been nice if Nigel had given a few more as well. Um, some of the group routines were not great. Some of them were, were, were pretty fabulous. The guys on Team Street, with one exception, uh, they the ladies are just destroying them. So they they got to go. I'm very, very hopeful that Asif will be gone when I go to watch So You Think You Can Dance after we record. Because um, one of the people who actually made it through got injured so they brought in this other guy who can't do choreography who literally when they were doing their group number went over to the choreographers and said, "Hey, can I just not do this part?"
1: <laughs> Good move.
0: It's like, "No. You're fired." <laughs> it should happen, but it's a competition show, so it requires America
1: to say you're fired. To say you're
0: fired. So America I beg of you please don't have let me down um last week so we'll see what happens with that but there there was some a, a few good numbers um there was a neat uh tap break which they had a non tap do some tap and he kept up with the tapper so that was pretty cool um and yeah it was it was a lot more promising than what we've seen. Now the real test is going to come next week uh, or you know, when you guys are hearing this you may have already watched it this, this, this coming week when we actually see people dance outside of their comfort zone and find out what exactly that's going to mean because um, they've been very vague about who's going to be dancing in which styles and if people are going to have to dance in every style or just stage people dance stage and street people dance street so uh, we're going to have to see how that goes but I was I was surprised to enjoy the first live show as much as I did. And that's where I will leave So You Think You Can Dance. Um, instead, let's move on to Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. And now I watched the first five. And I've, because they sent me five, so I watched five. Um, I do not have anywhere near the the <laughs> rock and pop and not old German dudes music background that you do so approaching it without any musical not i mean i have some i have a lot of musical knowledge but uh if i turn off that part of the brain and just say this is their job and accept at face value all the stuff they say about bands and inspirations and just kind of say believe what they're telling me i thought this was a solid show uh, i thought the the character dynamics were fine there was some squicky stuff about the gender Dynamic with Leary Surprise! and his daughter, uh, Leary's character and and the daughter. But um, on the whole, I thought it was you know amiable enough, and uh, and I had fun with it. Now, as soon as you turn on the part of your brain that goes, uh, there's no way that you're a rock band now, and there's no way that you uh, <laughs> the, that Nirvana stole your sound when. You were rock and they are alternative. And there's no way that a, like an old school rock band was huge in the early 90s. That's not like, then so much of it falls apart.
1: And like more than you know. Like, oh, yeah. Just, way more just, than I know. <laughs> you've described the basic ways in which it falls apart. And like, okay, here's the thing talking objectively in ways that other people might react to this show, uh, the best thing about it is that it's a half hour. Mm-hmm. uh it when i realized that i was like okay i can deal with this more because it feels it's it it's it's a more there's a modesty to it that if this was an hour long like rescue me was i think it it would be so insufferably pompous that it would be canceled in mid season and Dennis Leary would be taken out and shot um <laughs> uh, but for now but the half hour suits it much better that being said i'm never going to watch this again because i just cannot deal with with the with the musical world they create in the context of this show and I, i'm not i could rant about this for you know longer than an episode of that show so i'll just say briefly um they they, they he brings on greg dooley as a talking head most people are not going to know who he is but he's the lead singer for the afghan wigs um in the first five minutes we get greg dooley as a talking head we get someone uh mentioning the afghan wigs we get dennis leary going to an afghan wigs concert then we get an after party in which the Afghan Wigs are played over the course of the scene, and we also get Leary's band playing what sounds like Afghan Wigs D sides. I, I understand Dooley helped write some of the music, so it makes sense. Um, and it's just it. Let's listen to, to an Afghan Wigs record, people, or like I don't know. There's just something about Leary doing that, doing this, doing this shtick where he's like. You know, falling on, like falling on his face, not cool, but all the touchstones that he's talking about are super cool and he wants to inhabit them, but also sort of be, you know, be above it and just, oh, uh, I just really can't deal with that, like, clever, not clever, cool, not cool tone. Um, I also just didn't find it funny or particularly interesting in terms of the character d- dynamics. It was kind of neat to see people like John Corbett and Robert Kelly, uh, sp- do something a little bit different, but, other than that yeah this is just it's this move this i'm not explaining it very well but this show is is genetically engineered to piss me off so uh (laughs) if you uh if you liked the good bits of rescue me uh if you like dennis leary's shtick i think you'll probably enjoy it and if you don't know that much about rock history that will that'll definitely be help that'll definitely be extremely helpful because otherwise you will notice how annoying it is
0: i think the 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 Daughter character for the most part works, um, and I think they got a good enough singer too with for that, which I think is important in a, in a yeah. show like this. I think the music is fine. I, I was, you know, liking it enough to not get taken out of the show, not enough that I want to go buy any of those songs, but you know, enough that I'm not going. Really, this is your new, you know, pop starlet or rock, you know, starlet. Um, mm-hmm. It really turns into like, I want to meet my dad. And so we're gonna have a band. So we have an excuse to hang out together kind of show. And um and I think it does a good enough job of that. But like you said, <laughs> as soon as uh, as soon as you start thinking about elements of the 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 time and the the rock and music worlds and when this is like if they had set this in a different time, it could have made a lot more sense. Um, And and like you say with the the Leary character, commit to your guy being a total useless asshole or don't try to say that he is. Don't try to, you know, so either he's an asshole who's full of himself and every now and again maybe he gets something right, but mostly he's an asshole. Or he's got these pearls of wisdom and he's got, you know, like you said, they're trying to make him... um, difficult but still precious so that we'll like him
1: yeah and i never need to see any scenes ever again in my life like the one where he rants at the paparazzi about pop stars like dude no No. i i don't need this in my life
0: fair enough um next up is the premiere for mary did you have more fun with this one um
1: it was all right uh it i I I wasn't sure how to feel honestly about the about the elder rape angle for laughs, which I think was the point. And uh, if so, cheers because you did it.
0: <laughs> I thought that it worked. Uh, I thought that uh, well, I, I enjoyed that actor, this Ganey, right? MC Gainey, yeah, MC Gainey, yeah, uh, quite a bit. And the the mom did not make much of an impression. That was was that Frances Conroy? Who was that? That
1: was. That was Frances Conroy was, in, like, four scenes yeah. where she was really disoriented.
0: Yeah, um, but I, I thought it... I liked the way that it ended, and um, I liked that they bring in random person who works there and then have him, you know, theoretically they're they're playing the he-doesn't-understand-us joke, but really it's, no, he's just gonna call the cops because he's very good at his job. <laughs> uh, I, I liked the way that that kind of turned... Uh, and I yeah I I I have found this one and I enjoyed the spending the time with Nafax and Judy Greer so for me it was a solid premiere.
1: Yes, and uh, this also reminded me that this is the year of Gelman.
0: Yes, yes. What did you so think of Gelman? Now we,
1: now we finally get to the show he's actually a regular on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, also very glad to have uh, Paul Riser's back in this one, yes? Or is that next week? Yes. yes. No, no,
1: he's he's in this one.
0: He's in this one. Yeah, and I uh, really like what they gave him to do too, because of course we're big fans of, of him and enjoyed him last season. And it looks like he's going to get a bit more this season, so that's that's a good thing.
1: Yes. Uh, I I mean, it's still, it definitely still feels like there's two shows happening. There's the Reiser and Slate show and the Faxon and Greer show, and one of them gets a lot more to do than the other, so hopefully they can sort of more artfully blend that all together
0: mm-hmm. yeah we'll have to see well i mean i've seen the next two but you'll have to see what you think <laughs> and okay. and then as the season continues we'll i'm sure have more to say uh but next up is bojack horseman uh season two which d- uh, dropped this week on netflix i've seen the first episode you've seen the for the whole season and season one uh everybody else loved this one especially by the the end of the season way more than i did not dissimilarly to to Rick and Morty, I appreciated the artfulness of the last couple episodes, especially the dream episode or the drug trip episode, um, without really ever connecting to it. Um, and that's sort of how I felt watching the first episode. Where of this coming this new season, um, I appreciated some of the tweaks that we get. I liked I saw like half of the second episode, so I like what I saw of the new uh, love interest character, the Lisa Kudrow character, mm-hmm. but. Um, I wasn't really laughing very much. I was sort of more like, I can see the joke, and you've executed the joke, not enough to make me laugh, <laughs> but I acknowledged the presence of the joke, uh, which I don't think is what they're going for. Um, I don't know. I, should I? I should stick with it. I'm guessing from what you've said previously.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't think that your view of the show is going to is going to drastically change over the course of the season. I do think that it's a more consistent season than the last one was. I, I, I it felt like. Over the course of last season, they kind of found what they want the show to be, and this season starts off as that show and never really stops being that. Uh, it it feels more consistent overall. I would say that episodes, episode five involves chickens, and that's all I'm going to say about that, uh, but it's much darker than that makes it sound, <laughs> and it's quite notable. Uh, and episode seven, I'm not going to get into it all, but um, you should see. Okay if you're if you're gonna cherry pick i would watch those um it doesn't have the sort of you know the 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 first season had the sort of descent into hell feel where the last few episodes got really dark this season doesn't do that uh quite as much but uh so it doesn't have the benefit of that obvious progression and i do think the stuff with uh with the aaron paul character is uh at least as weak if not weaker than it was last season but i do think overall it's funnier than last season was. It feels like the tonal balance is a little bit uh, more balanced. Hmm. Um, I like pretty much everything involving Mister Peanut Butter. Um, I like that they they mix things up a lot with him and Diane, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it it feels like there's a much higher density of visual gags uh, than there was even last season. There's a ton of visual gags. Like I don't think I mind spoiling the fact that there is uh, there's a scene in which Scott Wolf, who is a fox. <laughs> and Matthew Fox who is a wolf show up. <laughs> nice. Um and it's only like and it's like a 4 second gag maybe. Uh there's so much stuff like that and there's also way way more TV based jokes than film based jokes this time uh which again I won't spoil but there are some ex- there are some explicit references to re- to shows that we love and some implicit ones that at least one of which was really sly and I don't think most people will catch. So I'll be curious to see uh if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, I'm being vague, but there's a lot of good little stuff that I liked. Uh, some some stuff that's, that still doesn't work, but overall, it was a very easy watch. There's a reason I got through the whole thing in like a couple of nights.
0: Fair enough. Uh, good to know. So you would rate season two over season one?
1: I would say season two is overall about 6.5% better.
0: Noted. Very specific. Like, not not a ton, but in, but
1: like I said, like, it felt like more consistent.
0: Like it adds a plus. Of the letter grade or removes a minus
1: yeah something like that okay. um i still think it it, it it could stand to improve but there was still a lot that i enjoyed
0: okay fair enough uh well our last show for this week in comedy and reality is key and peel airplane showdown and uh we got uh we got a handful of sketches here the one that seems to really have taken off with um uh, you know is you know virally and just with people talking about it on twitter is a menstruation orientation um, I saw some a site comparing that one with the the kids in the hall sketch, a man with a positive relationship to demonstration or something like that, the de Foley mm-hmm. bit, which I remember enjoying from many, many years ago. I liked the flight attendant uh flight attendant sketch with the turbulence that was pretty fun um the British explorers was a one note thing, but I can watch pretty much anybody be that you know caricature of stuffy British and with the walrus mustache and laugh at least a little bit just from their like line deliveries no matter Mm -hmm. what they're saying so i was i was you know i i like this one even if i you know didn't think it had a runaway hit like um some of the for example the amy schumer's this early in this this season this year i don't think
1: anything in this episode really landed for me even the menstruation uh, orientation sketch what's weird to me about that sketch is that at the end of the last sketch that we saw those characters on they were revealed to secretly be women uh, so are I was I was just confused. I was distracted by that. Like, are we supposed to assume that they're still secretly women because that reveal doesn't happen in this sketch? Mm-hmm. So, do, am I supposed to be? Is this canon? Do I <laughs> do I go with? The, and this, the, I'm watching the sketch wrong, is what I'm saying. But I was distracted by you know continuity on Keen Peel, which is dumb. But I was <laughs>
0: fair enough. So the turbulence and the explorers didn't work for you.
1: No, I get very one note, especially the turbulence thing just went on and on and on.
0: Fair enough. Uh, maybe it's because I've done, I put in quite a bit of mileage recently, uh, flying between Austin and, uh, in Comic-Con, uh, so maybe that's, that's why, but it's, uh, no, interesting. Uh, well, are you hopeful for what we're going to get next then, or are you mostly just holding out for review in a week and a half?
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. my god. That is so good. I didn't know that. Um. That's good news. I I mean, I, I know they can do better. I've already seen one upcoming sketch that I like better than basically anything we've gotten so far. So I feel like we're destined to get better.
0: Okay, fair enough. Well, then, what wins your week in comedy?
1: I will give it to BoJack since I'm only going to get to do that once.
0: And I will, um, I'll give it to Rick and Morty, the upcoming premiere of Rick and Morty. And uh if we limit it to just this week, then I would go with Married, but... um. But yeah, Rick and Morty. Um, so now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in drama and genre.
2: If you need a friend
0: Don't look to strangers. You know. I'll
2: always be there
0: when you're yeah. in doubt. When you're yeah. in danger, take a look all around,
2: and I'll be.
0: This week in Genre and Drama, I'm going to talk briefly about Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, The Black Tower. You're going to talk about Masters of Sex, Three's a Crowd. They'll both chime in with Deutschland 83, last week's episode, Northern uh, Northern Wedding. And I'll talk a little bit about Cold Fire from this week. You'll, we'll both talk about Hannibal, Digestivo, and Unreal, Savior, Mr. Robot, Damons, uh, Rectify, Thrill Ride, Humans, Episode 4. Oh, international shows. Uh, and then Halt and Catch Fire, Limbo. But first up is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. This is the sixth episode, so it's the penultimate episode. I thought they've really... It's really come together in these last uh, couple episodes. I'm not going to say too much. I'll talk a bit more about it next week. Um, but I thought the way that they kind of brought... I, I still don't really understand how exactly the man with the down hair was able to take Arabella in the first place. Like, the, what bargain had been struck? Because there wasn't one um unless i missed something huge but i do really like again the way that this so much of the season has come down to lady pole and this discussion of uh of identity and will and 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 voice and having a voice um so so i thought that was uh, has been very well handled um and the the execution of the black tower and of you know uh Jonathan Strange just going intentionally going mad turning the the lady into a cat and all all of this. I thought I thought it really they've done well with it and I like the way that the energy is building towards the finale. So, I will have more to say about that next week with its finale. Apparently, it it everybody's talking about it over here at least in my bubble um but it didn't do great in the ratings over in the uk like i just assumed it was a big hit in the uk and was gonna get uh renewed for a second season but apparently it really just kind of came and went in the uk and i think it's taken off a lot more at least within the genre fans over over here than maybe it did over in the uk which is surprising to me would you have guessed that simon based on the amount of chatter
1: I mean, I don't know. I did assume though that it was a a mini series rather than a series based on the fact that it's based on a single book. Yes, um,
0: but as I understand it the book is or is intended to be a book series. So,
1: ah, Yeah. Ah, the Game of Thrones dilemma.
0: Yes. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, next up is Masters of Sex, Threes of Crowd. I haven't had a chance to watch this one yet. Simon, uh, should I be looking forward to or dreading my eventual catch-up?
1: Uh, I'm going to make it really, really simple. Half of the episode is, I wouldn't say garbage, but I would say not very good. And really just slapdash. And It, it, it does the thing where the patient of the week mirrors what's going on with the Masters and company. Uh, to an obnoxious degree and uh, and also just the circumstances surrounding i mean essentially uh, Ma- uh, master is treating the uh the wife of of the shah of iran okay uh, yeah I, it's it is exactly as ridiculous as it sounds uh a, a couple of the individual scenes there are fine but the parallelism with his situation with uh with Ginny and libby is just ridiculous uh that being said there is a whole, the actual A-plot of the episode, which in, which heavily involves George, uh, is really quite good. Matthew Ziggle, it's, it's easily his best showcase episode yet, so the stuff with him is really great, uh, and there are some really bruising scenes involving those characters um, that I found really effective. Uh, some really weird editing choices, uh, some fades to black that I didn't think were at all graceful. Um, yeah, it continues to be... Masters of Sex, basically. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's a mess. Some stuff really works. Some stuff is just like SMDH. WTF? What's going on, guys?
0: Fair enough. Um, okay. Well, then, what about uh, Deutschland '83? What did you think about last week's episode, uh, which saw quite a, a turn for our our plucky young hero?
1: <laughs> can we still call him plucky?
0: I don't think um, so. <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't think we can either. Can I just have a, a moment of appreciation for the fact that we have uh that we have a hero with a w who's got like a, a weirdly asymmetrical face?
0: Yeah, I, I suppose just, so. I, yeah.
1: I just I just enjoy the wonkiness of his face. It's I enjoy, it's it's unusual.
0: I enjoy the asymmetry of his handler's uh at least uh the the ant's hair. I was really enjoying that. <laughs> there are a couple little shots of her where it's just like she's got a side triangle hair and it's awesome. Oh the eighties. Uh <laughs> Yay. yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: so I just wanted to have a moment for that. Uh, the whole thing with Diana and and how that escalated was um, I don't know if I really like how that was handled. Uh, on one hand, it was great that she got a good whack at him with that big old stick that looked like it really smarted. On the other hand, the whole thing with with his handler on on that side, tracking them down and running her over was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, but this is already a show that's had this guy who's never done any spy work like l- scaling the walls of buildings and stuff, you know. So they aren't really going that much for realism. Um, but yeah, it, it got dark quick um, in the in last week's episode, and that continues in this episode. And, and I like the way that they deal with the fallout so far, at least of that in cold fire. And uh, I'm not going to say too much about it because obviously, uh, you, you've yet to watch it, but the way that we intersect with certain points of history, uh, I thought was, was again, very, uh, very well handled. And I like that we get, um, characters making decisions on where their loyalties lie and, and adding some nuance to that, or just getting to see people make decisive choices. And, um, And then we'll see what that that, that should fuel the rest of the season. (laughs) Okay. Again, I'm trying to keep it very vague. uh, But I I like last week's episode. I like this week's episode as well.
1: Yeah, having not seen this week's episode yet, I'm looking forward to the part where he makes a really dumb mistake and then has to be a double agent. <laughs> Unless that already happens this week, and I just haven't seen it yet.
0: Well, I'm going to say nothing. Instead, we're going to move on to Hannibal Digestivo, which is uh, the <laughs> end of the first half of the season. We talked about this over on This Is Our Design with the wonderful Libby Hill. That should be out in your feed probably on Wednesday. Uh, with, with Hannibal moving to Saturdays, that has pushed back our recording to Sundays, and then we have day jobs that require us to work during the week. So uh, the those episodes handle episodes, the star design episodes be getting out later than we would like, but that's what happens when your show airs on Saturdays. Uh, so I apologize for the delay listeners, uh, but there will be plenty of content for me about this episode coming. So Simon, what did you think of the just uh, <laughs> uh,
1: This was so much fun and so ridiculous and, uh, I know that, the, I don't know, it's been weird to me to, to I, I haven't dealt with people talking about Hannibal a lot, but I've seen at least five or six people that I follow being like complaining about how abstract and, and insane and over the top this season has been. And I find these people ridiculous. Um, many of whom are people I respect normally, but not on this. Um, yeah, I don't understand that at all. This season has been ridiculously great. Uh, to me, to my mind, the more insane and abstract and and uh, it's all the things we feel like. I I like I'm I'm really enjoying, nth degree Hannibal. I'm <laughs> I'm actually sort of, I'm I'm preemptively disappointed that we're about to get what seems to be, sort of a more measured back half, or at least for a few episodes. I'm assuming it's gonna ramp up the crazy again at some point, uh, near the end because how can it not? But. I feel like by necessity we're gonna get a more grounded next few episodes, which I can live with and it's still Hannibal and I'm gonna enjoy it. But I have to say I've been really enjoying uh like batshit insane Hannibal for like three
0: solid weeks. Absolutely. Um yeah, the notion of it's been two RC farts, it's like, uh, guys, do you do you know what show you've been watching? Um I, I've really enjoy that. And maybe they've just been watching a different show than I have. Maybe they've been watching a procedural that has some artsy-fartsy stuff they'll deal with. Whereas I've been watching an artsy-fartsy show that has some procedural stuff I'll deal with. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's all it is. But um, no, I've, I've really enjoyed the, that approach this season. However, I've not enjoyed, uh, but when we get to the end of the season or this, this half season, this arc, um, they really, again, have really let down Alana And really let down Margot. And I would also say Potsy. Because they either did not time manage well enough. Or, I mean, because I can't really think of many things I would want to change about the individual episodes we got. Maybe episode three. um, Maybe episode four. But um, certainly from five through seven. I can't think of a lot I would want to change. But I need other things to have happened between some of the episodes. So I feel like they needed an episode or two like around four or five um, where we could really focus on Alana and see her when she's by herself. So when she's not play acting for, for Mason and and get a bit of a sense of how she feels about everything, because she's certainly not going to tell Will and uh, she's not going to tell Mason. So We've only gotten like a scene or two of her with with Margot that where I can actually believe what she's saying. So I, I, they've really let down Alana, as far as I'm concerned. Same thing with Margot, and certainly Potsy. They just kind of turned him into a different person between episodes, as suited the plot. Um, they brought in Mia Maestro and gave her one scene, uh, so that was that was very disappointing. So I, like I really feel like there's an episode or two episodes missing from this arc to really have everything done justice to.
1: I mean, the character that I felt like I never really understood was Chiyo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like they were happy to have her just be mysterious and do plot things and then walk back into the darkness. Which, <laughs> okay. Which there are worse things to do with the character. But yes, I, I would not have begrudged more episodes. On the other hand, I would prefer a rushed season to, uh, to you know to like a patchy episode like the court one we got last season so you know i'll i'll take it
0: yeah well and again the with the time they had i would not have wanted to sacrifice the the artistry and the 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 expressionist or at times impressionist uh approach of the direction and the storytelling this year because i thought it was wonderful i like that like it's gonna be really hard for something to top um uh, Antipasto as one of my favorite episodes of the year. That was a fabulous season premiere. And just the, 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 the show committing to that level to like, nope, we're not seeing any of our main characters besides Hannibal. And we're going to promote a recurring character from the last year. And we're just going to dance through Europe, different aspect <laughs> ratios, dream imagery, all of this stuff. Yeah. I, I love the-
1: it. The uh, the only the last thing I want to say is, like, that whole, like, seven or eight minute stretch from, like, face peel to uh, uh. the several things that happened to, like, to pig baby to, oh, yeah, when we were when you were asleep, we milked your prostate. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> this, this show is real, and it won't be real for much longer, so let's all enjoy it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, next up is Unreal, uh, Savior. And we said last week, I don't think they can kill someone and have us still by the I'm show. I'm an idiot. um Well... Are you? Do you still buy the show?
1: Uh, I mean, no. Um, there you go. I don't either. <laughs> the, the 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 bit that I really, I mean, there was a lot that strained credibility. The bit that I didn't buy at all was the notion of the suicide note and like, oh, our producer just found this note, which absolves her yeah. specifically and more broadly the show of all wrongdoing. Yeah. And ad- admittedly, the sister is there to double stamp it, and I was very, very happy that we immediately understood that she knew that yeah. it was bullshit, which I, if it hadn't if it hadn't been for that, I would have not been able to deal with that scene at all. But still, yeah, even in the world of Unreal, I did not buy that.
0: It's like, you know, they have these things called handwriting experts, and that's going to come up.
1: Or it would, but it's not going to.
0: It's not going to on the show, yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, like, I see what they're trying to do with that, and I understand why they had her successfully kill herself as opposed to try to kill herself and, um, be like, I don't know, in a coma or something, but it really, that this is one. I just have to give them. And I, it's, it's frustrating to me that I have to give them one. Yeah. But otherwise I liked the episode. Otherwise I thought it was well done. Um, do you have any other, th- I mean, like I don't really have any thoughts on it other than I enjoyed it still. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I enjoyed it. That was some bullshit. um, we're, and yes, you're right. We just have to we have to suck it up and keep going.
0: Yeah. Um, well, next up is, is Mr. Robot and uh, Daemons, or demons, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But um, I thought this one, I still have some of my same problems with the show, but I love that they just went bonkers with this episode. This is a bonkers awesome uh, in the parlance of our friends over at uh, Talking TV with Ryan and Ryan. This is a bonkers awesome episode.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of bonkers in this episode. Um I mean, and not just the stuff I was expecting, like, with with the withdrawal and the the ensuing hallucinations. Uh, I, I need to point out a few things that I enjoy about this show and some things that I'm enjoying about the current TV landscape. One, in general, can we just enjoy that, like, so many shows this season have just casually been queering characters left and right? Like, just this week, it happened on Mr. Robot and Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, previously, let's see masters of sex um what else am i thinking of here uh i mean <laughs> legend hannibal. of Korra doesn't really count well yeah hannibal it was sort of a plot thing on hannibal but still uh yeah. it not something that like redefines what we know about the character it's just it's a thing it's, it's, it's like, just a thing that's happening
0: and <laughs> yeah. uh
1: and i'm sure that there's a couple others that i'm forgetting um uh, anyway there's there's been a lot a lot this season. And the way it was folded into this... Like, I don't expect that to be a major plot thing on this show. Uh, but it was... It was just... I liked that there was an entire part chunk of this episode that had nothing to do with Elliot.
0: Yeah, um, I thought that was good. I think we needed a little bit of a break from him and his perspective.
1: Yes. And and also, it, it really... It helps solidify the fact that these characters aren't... they They, they, they don't just exist in his universe. They <laughs> yeah. have...
0: They- some of them.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, um, Can I also we just, really okay.
0: L- if you if you aren't watching Mr. Robot, fast forward if you want to catch up. Okay, so I need them to just stop pretending that Christian Slater isn't isn't in his mind because at this point it's just obnoxious. I mean, if they don't treat it like it's some reveal, like is there a way for them to just kind of turn to camera? and have it like not be Elliot's point of view and have the other characters be like we know he, he, you know that we know that he's not there right like we we don't, it's not going to be a a twist or a reveal cuz it feels like they're holding it out to be a reveal but if they are they're doing such a shitty job of it that so it's just it's in this weird middle space where the show's so much in his perspective and his point of view with the whole evil corp thing that I don't know how they can do that, but them not doing it makes it feel like they're just really shill- shittily like, working on this twist, a la uh, Dexter with Colin Hanks.
1: Yeah, I don't know what, where they're going with that. I would like to think that they're being cleverer than that, but the show is young, so it's hard to say. Uh, is this the first episode where we get stuff that's very explicitly not at all from Elliot's perspective and is happening?
0: I want to say yes,
1: uh because more of that please yeah because uh, as, as much as i think elliot is a reasonably interesting lead character and there's stuff about him that's distinctive it can be suffocating um and and as, and as, as much as i do appreciate that there is a ballsiness to to having you know a, a drug addicted uh sci- attempting attempted cyber terrorist you know be your lead character and point of view character uh that's not an easy thing to do and have your show be watchable but still not necessarily always the best approach. Um, and let's I get like... more
0: Dahlia from Suburgatory, please. Because that's still who she is to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it,
1: it took like three episodes for me to figure out that was Carly Chaikin. And mm-hmm. like make that. I don't know why. But also I feel like they're starting to make her less uh, more tolerable over time. Which I like. Um, uh, let's see what else. Oh, yes. I also like that we have we have a character who is Muslim and wears a headscarf. And uh, is, in a way, a terrorist. Uh, but it's not a Muslim terrorist, you know what I mean?
0: She's a terrorist who is Muslim. She isn't a Muslim terrorist. Yes,
1: exactly. I don't know if I'm finessing this point enough. But again, like, it's not a, uh, an oh my god, she's Muslim. It's like, she's Muslim. Like, it's another <laughs> incidental thing they're including, because cause it's there. I, and maybe it'll become plot relevant at some point, but right now it isn't, and it's nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other uh, final thoughts with this episode? What did you think of that whole Cracked End thing being... Part of his uh, like, I guess, hallucinations or
1: huge relief, yeah. huge relief, very glad uh, did not need heroin thrown in the mix.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I, I was I was glad to see that it take this turn here and we're only in episode, what, five? Uh, so far, uh, four. four? I o- think. Only episode four of the season, yeah. yeah. And so, if this is where they're going, episode four, I look forward to. If they're going to have this kind of confidence moving forward, there's a lot that they could do. So that's a good sign.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Um, let's move on to uh, Rectify Thrill Ride, which is the second episode of the season. Um, and for me, the, like the stuff we get this episode with Teddy Junior um, and and with Tawny, I I really. I really liked. I continue like the, the her going to her friend's house and um. You know, again, this is a, a friend of hers from church. the The show's relationship with community and with, uh, in, in this case, for them, that comes from religion. But, um. It it just feels very authentic and very um, thoughtful, and so I really liked what we got with them this week. Uh, did you have a favorite part of this episode? Oh, and of course, you know. The uh, everything with Amantha. is still very funny to me, so I'm really loving her this season as well.
1: Um, that sequence with Teddy Jr. Uh, and... Is it Jared? Yeah. Uh, the sequence with Teddy Jr. talking about his, like... His, like, high school sex life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is so amazing. <laughs> and horrible. Horrible. And perfect. And awkward. And just... It's like a slow. It's like an amazing train wreck of a scene. It's like I didn't uh,
0: technically rape her. Yeah, but you were awfully close. Very close.
1: Um, and, and I love how they they were just like, oh my, and I was like, oh my god, are they gonna completely throw Teddy Junior under the bus right now? And they didn't, but <laughs> but they came real close. And uh, once again, just a fantastic performance. I will say though, there was a moment of music supervision that I didn't quite buy where Teddy Junior's at home listening to Sturgill Simpson in his house. And, like, Teddy Jr. Is, an inter- is, is like, kind of an interesting guy who can be more reflective than you expect, but I still don't think he's sitting around his house listening to an album called Metamodern Sounds of Country Music. It's a little <laughs> bit too much. Uh, it sounded good, I just didn't buy it actually literally happening.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that, and I concur. <laughs> now that you tell me the name of... Uh... Uh, of, of the album. Maybe he was listening to the radio. Uh,
1: Sturgill Simpson doesn't get radio play. Um, uh, but it, maybe it was satellite radio. I don't know. Anyway, either way, yeah. It, yeah. It, it sounded good, but it distracted me with its hipness. Um, that, but yeah, other than that, uh, really, it was, it was a mostly Teddy centric episode, and that, those never really let me down. They're so wonderfully fucked up always. <laughs>
0: um, well, next up, speaking of wonderfully fucked up, Humans, Episode 4, and, uh, I like that we have Laura fully on the Anita bandwagon here. Uh, I I kind of, I really wish they hadn't had, not I kind of, I do really wish they hadn't had Laura's husband, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, have sex with Anita. Um, it just felt like it was, it, it felt like it was happening because it was inevitable, because the show wanted to make this point as compared to for character and plot stuff, you know? Um, it's like what have we not seen happen yet that right. we want to have, you know, to to drive our point home of how we how they're treating these synths and and you yeah. know, dehumanization of them and everything. Um, but uh, it it really also because then of course he wants to get rid of get rid of her immediately because of yeah. his guilt and the whole point was that he needed help. Like like I thought they did a really good job of showing the strain between that, that couple where I need help. I cannot do this all by myself and you haven't been here. Um, and this way we can have more time together and then to just have to be like, "Eh, I feel like, I feel like getting my dick wet. So, uh, (laughs) we're going to throw that all the, you know, like I I, I thought that wasn't as artfully done, but aside from that, I really liked pretty much the rest of, of what we get in this episode. And I'm really intrigued by by how this season is shaping up.
1: Um, the the thing with him having sex with Anita was, I agree with you in principle. It was almost worth it, though, just for the moment after. And just, like, the, ugh. Like, <laughs> the the sheer liquid shame of, like, that was a thing that I just did. And now I have to live with it forever.
2: Just, mm-hmm. like,
1: just, uh Like, that, that was really, like, it, it's, it's a beat you've seen a million times before. But it was just, for some reason, when there's a robot involved, it's just more palpable. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Um... But uh, I really, I I really strongly dislike the detective character, the male detective character. He's just really awful, and I I don't find him pleasant to watch. Uh, did or, you
0: like the reveal of his partner being a robot?
1: Uh, I mean, I knew that was coming. Was that just me?
0: Apparently, I didn't think of it that way.
1: Uh, she seemed a little robotic to me. Um, the but, whole time, or just
0: in this episode?
1: Uh, like. Not the not necessarily the whole time, but like definitely throughout this episode, I I it like it occurred to me like early in the episode before, but and you know well before the reveal at the end, I was like ah, I feel like they're making her a robot, <laughs> uh, and maybe maybe they were deliberately amping up her roboticness um, over the course of the episode in preparation for that, but I don't think they were. Um, so I, I mean, the whole visual of her like basically like unhinging her jaw and pulling out a balloon was creepy. <laughs>
0: um,
1: definitely creepy uh, but yeah i i'm still not really like super fascinated in the wider world of the show yet and i i feel like i should be
0: mm-hmm. um, i like that we started to get some intersection here with uh with george and uh the other you know since uh i thought that that worked i thought that worked well and it, it was a bit overdue as well so yes. um that should be theoretically start moving the plot forward. Uh, I agree that there's still some of the larger stuff about the episode, like the um, the, the one of the four who is uh, ch- like chained up or whatever by the bad investigator man. <laughs> the bad guy. Yeah, uh, yeah that that part of the show is still not working for me at all. It's still, still too vague, still too generic. Um, but I, like I said, I like the, what we got with George this week. I like what we got with Laura. I like, I continue to, to like what we get with the eldest daughter. And, um, and, and, and i like that they aren't, they're featuring her, but they aren't giving her like these reams of dialogue. They're letting her be a very observational character. You, she's always around in the, these scenes with, with Laura and, and Laura's husband, whose name again escapes me. Um, But she's always you you can see her in these scenes and she's always paying attention, whereas the Mm -hmm. other kids aren't because they're kids. But I like that she's always paying attention and that they don't feel the need to have her say things like, I saw how you talked to mom, you know, like trusting the audience a bit more with her. And and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. The last thing I'll say is I, I kind of also would like the show to have a more complex message than humans are cruel and bad at stuff. (laughs) <laughs> um, because it feels like that's 95% of what the show is saying right now. And I get it. We have a robot fight club where we beat the shit out of robots and it's really bad. Uh, and we sexually exploit the robots and it's really bad. And we do other, and we have things to take away their will, but also make them excitable. Um, that's really bad. I get it. Uh, well, I would like it to start getting a little bit more complex with that.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, and hopefully that is coming. And I think having I, I think so much of this for me, so much of this show really does revolve around Laura and her relationship yeah. with Anita that as that is shifting in these episodes, the um, the case that she goes to investigate with the person who sent um, she says her synth likes the, the, the theater uh, mm. going to going to see plays. Uh, I think that show, you know, her interest in that and uh, that could really be the, the turning point for the the show's point of view and its message. So I'm hoping that we're gonna start getting more with that as we continue.
1: Yes. Uh that would be good. I I would like the show to be as as deep as it is, uh as it as it thinks it is,
0: I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well our last show of the week is Halting Catch Fires, Limbo. And um they actually made me feel a little bit bad for Joe in this episode, hey, which that's something. is a feat. Um, and you know, I the, the think they did a really good job with the casting and I don't have the actor's name off the top of my head, but I did recognize him for many things the a guy who, who's brought in to replace Joe and, uh, oh, yes appropriately slimy and terrible. And even just like the costume design where he's like buttoned all the way up to like the thing, the top of his collar and mm-hmm. the physicality of that performance. Too. It was
1: not subtle, but it worked,
0: but it totally worked. This is not always a subtle show uh joe is not a subtle character a lot of the time uh so I, it worked for me um and uh yeah the uh, poor cameron so like like that little exchange with um with the the community user coming up and talking to cameron i thought that they handled that well that could have been so maudlin but they really balanced that well and um mm-hmm. i also like i continued to, to be very invested in um in Cameron and her new relationship, but also with, with, Donna and everything that's going on. So, uh, I mean, with, uh, the Scooby Dairy character, he's like breaking into people's houses and like, uh, they, they sure progressed his, uh, paranoia and everything really quickly. Um, but I guess they want to get somewhere big before the end of the season in only two more weeks. So I kind of mixed Seriously? on that. Yeah, I know. Only two more. How many episodes? Uh, 10. I'm guessing this is eight. Huh. Yeah.
1: We, this was eight. Wow. Um, that went fast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they there's, when you talk about how this is not a subtle show, they've amped the Gordon stuff up to 11. Um, and it's been really, it's been hard to watch in the right way, but it's also been kind of one note. Um, so hopefully they can mix that up a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anyone watching the show who's not a hundred percent invested in Cameron. Uh, She's she's very clearly like the bleeding, just like whipping around, like firecracker heart of the show and. and is Donna Tom, too for me. And and Donna to to a slightly lesser degree, but she's quite enjoyable as well. Is Tom the only like good boyfriend on television
0: right now? Feels like it, <laughs> kind of. Um.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's in for like hor- horrific heartbreak before the season is over. I just feel like that's that's destined to happen.
0: Yeah, it really does. And uh. The way that, um, just because I don't, like, when he's like, I'm going to California, I was like, sure you are, Joe. This is a TV show. Yes. You're not going to California, and because you don't have a reason to be around, we know that means they're they're going to connect you back up with Cameron in some way, which means your poor heart is going to get broken, uh, and you deserve better from the TV show. So I hope that the writers <laughs> surprise me, because right now, that's really what it feels like they're they're leading towards, and it's disappointing, if that's yeah, the case. It-
1: it feels like Joe becomes uh, becomes disillusioned with everything in his life and then joins the mutiny, mutiny or perhaps now ex-mutiny team to build a new, new thing. Um, and then they have a super team where now they also sex each other. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like that's where they're going, and I really hope it's not where they're going.
0: I also really liked just the touch of having that one former mutiny employee who left because, you know, bills. Um, yeah. To to bring him back for this episode, I thought was a really n- nice touch. And when they're talking in the the kitchen about how pretty soon we'll be able to move to a server, I was like, does that mean you can start paying people? Because that would be nice. <laughs> you should you should do that.
1: Yeah, we, we don't know anything about. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I I mean I, I still don't think people are, are talking about Halton Catchfire like the best thing all- around or like. It's to me. It's still like a it's a it's a it's a solid B plus like above average second tier show that that occasionally has some very good moments.
0: I'm I'm enjoying it as much as the A shows. Absolutely, I mean I'm not enjoying it as much as Hannibal because I don't enjoy like anything as much as Hannibal. But 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 I, I it's a show that I never need to wonder if it's on. I never forget. I forgot that Masters of Sex was on. I never forget the Hold and Catch Fire is on.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm
0: always I always look forward to watching it. So. Um, despite what it's the kind of television it's trying to be, I don't know that it's, it doesn't seem like it's interested in being Hannibal or in being, um, no, these, these like super prestigious shows. It seems like it's really interested in being the show. It is. Yeah. Um,
1: It's not interested even in being mad men, even though that's the show that people compared it to a lot when it first started. Yeah. And maybe that was, maybe it did feel like a third rate Mad men in season one, but, uh, you know, it feels like it's something much broader, much more uh much more accessible uh much more streamlined and sometimes that works to its detriment but usually that that allows it to be uh, clippy and fun and exciting
0: yeah uh that yeah I, I i would agree with all of that so on that note only two more episodes left uh what wins the weekend genre and drama for you
1: uh well the hannibal award goes to hannibal um but beyond that uh i do think mr robot took some strides this week um, but I mean yeah Hannibal yeah <laughs> I mean H- Hannibal you... I
0: mean sorry rectify you're great but yeah
1: rectify was really good rectify too it was
0: very good this week but Hannibal had yeah damn that it
1: did uh, have that
0: so uh but but Hannibal where goes to Hannibal then I'll after that I, w- I would give it to rectify with Mr. Robot Close yeah. behind for taking making strides. Um, but if you show notes here, you can find a post up for this episode at soundside.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like us on Facebook to follow the going sound at soundinsight TV and start up a conversation. You can find us on iTunes. Yes, you can find us on iTunes. I'm still so Yay! happy about that. Uh, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. You can also email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. And of course, we're both up on Twitter. I am at theteleverse and Simon, you are.
1: Uh, At Sucker Howl.
0: And what is our question of the week?
1: Uh, I guess to make it topical, um, so there's an X-Files teaser out now. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to see it, uh, but there's been some news trickling out about that. Um, Is it a dumb idea or a good idea? I still am not sure.
0: The X-Files reboot? Yeah. I think it's a good idea.
1: You think it's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I I tentatively think it's kind of a dumb idea, but I mean, I'm happy to be proved wrong, but it feels like a dumb idea.
0: Okay, I've heard uh, not kind things about Scully's hair that have me concerned, but uh, that's a purely really, aesthetic. Really, it's the thing. hair
1: you're concerned about. Well, I'm
0: not concerned. The show is going to be what it's going to be. If yeah. you know, if it's great and then Scully has terrible hair, that's just going to be like a mm, little bit. If it's terrible and Scully has terrible, ha- terrible hair, I'm not going to care. So I'm yeah, just, fair I'm enough. Just operating on the assumption that it's going, is at least going to be interesting and good. Um. And if it's not, then it's not. But uh, I think the notion of, especially when it was going to be six different writers and they're bringing back some of the original writers and including Jared Morgan, who's only ever done standalones, that implies to me that they're doing standalones, at least somewhat, which if you only have six episodes, absolutely makes sense do it all serialized, do it all standalones. And I am way, way in the bag for uh, a a series of standalones of the X-Files. So, uh, yeah, I, I... it to me it makes sense but i can see why for you maybe that's not the case
1: i mean i just assume it's going to be bad because i assume most things will be i hope for the best and assume the worst
0: fair enough well let us know what you think listeners but for now we're going to take a break and come back with john clark of caffeinated comics to talk about the young ones
1: oh bloody heck is this the new house
0: well, i think it's very
2: beautiful rick oh, it just makes a chain from the old one
0: yeah hasn't been raised to the ground well, I think it
2: looks like a gigantic lavatory. Oh,
0: come on. Yeah. Look, it's got a leather box. That's going to come in really useful. What for? Uh, looking out of when people knock. It's nice to have a front door.
2: We had a front door in
1: the last house. Yes, Vivian, but it was nailed to the ceiling in the living room. It had to be done. Yeah, I had to. I was drunk. But just give me the key. I don't need witnesses.
2: Just get off my property. No! Get out! <laughs> <laughs> In my
1: bedroom, all my clothes are here! <laughs> no, they're not, Vivian! <laughs> oh, I didn't have the bedroom. I can't hold it! It's not mine! Yes, it is!
2: Ah, no, it isn't! You said it was yours just now! So did you. No, I didn't. Dead. did it? Dead. did it Dead. Dead. Did Dead.
1: Dead. 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 Neil, your bedroom's
0: on fire. This was my bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> Once in
2: every lifetime.
0: back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell, and this week at the DVD shelf, uh, I'm happy to be crossing a show off of my list of shows I'm embarrassed to not have seen. I have a bit of a history um, with young ones, which we'll get into shortly, but this is a, a two-season year or two season, uh, cult classic comedy. Actually, I don't know if it's cult classic in the UK, but here in the US, it's probably a rather underseen show. Here to help us talk about it from Caffeinated Comics is John Clark. John, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, nice to be here. How are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm good, this, and I feel like we shouldn't be polite to each other when we're discussing this show.
0: <laughs> yeah, that feels more in keeping. Um, The reason that I was excited to talk about The Young Ones is that uh, last summer, over at the A.V. Club, I reviewed Blackadder, and, of course, there's the character, character of Lord Flashheart who pops up on that show, played by Rick Mile, and I'm not a fan of that character, and uh, <laughs> so... Uh, you know my reviews are not kind to to the character uh with the caveat in there that i know a lot of people love that that character and that actor and so the the comment sections for those reviews when when the character popped up just kind of a, in certain corners just turned into um well this person's ridiculous and they they don't even count their opinion doesn't count because they don't like uh flash art and and isn't rick May- a mile amazing and how about the young ones Um, And so now I'm glad to have a little context to put to the performer and and that character and a part of British comedy that I'm very unfamiliar with.
2: Right. Well, and Blackadder and Young Ones really go hand in hand, not just because Rick Mayall appeared on it. Adrian Edmondson appears on it. Nigel Planner appears on Blackadder, but also Ben Elton wrote uh, Young Ones and then wrote Blackadder 2, 3 and 4, which most people consider the really good ones. So they're they're. Symbiotic in the way that like Simpsons and Futurama is connected. So uh I'm gonna leave a mean comment about you now. Not <laughs> Go, for <laughs> Go for we it. Go for it. We should mention this was like
1: exactly around the time that Rick Mile died, which made it worse.
0: Yeah, that did oh, not yeah. that did not help. Um yeah. That was that was unfortunate timing. Um but you know what, I, I think it was such it's such an interesting connection, those two shows, like you say, because I, I absolutely ad- adore black adder um and I, I ended up having a lot of fun with this one but i got to say i had trouble with the pilot I, I watched that pilot and was i was talking to simon on uh, i was messaging with simon i was thinking, uh oh uh oh is this one of those anti-comedy things is this what am i what am i in for but then by the second episode immediately there's a shift in tone where you can see that this is this started as a live show and then got made into a tv show and I'm curious for you guys, and especially John, because this is the show you want to talk about, if you see that shift as well, or if, or if they're more cohesive for you. Because for me, I really did not laugh once at the pilot. But then from the second episode on, I ended up really enjoying the show. That's
2: interesting. I, I never quite noticed a, a shift in tone, because that sh- the show is so anarchic to begin with. Like, nothing, almost nothing holds but the four characters. Um, I think there's... a less grittiness in the series and there's a little more warmth. There's a little more lightness. Um, it's definitely a brighter show, but, uh, writing wise, I think it's, it kind of maintains its punk aesthetic throughout.
0: What do you think, Simon? Is that uh, part of your connection to the show? I know that you had said off mic that, that you really liked the show, uh, when it first aired in Canada. Uh,
1: that's not exactly what happened. Um, basically when I was in high school, um, there there were a few things that my friends and i watched uh i don't know several dozen times um we would take them out on vhs just re- we for some reason we would never think to buy it uh we would just rent it like 30 times um you know I, I don't know how much money we spent on the vhs of the first couple episodes of the young ones uh but but i we we must have watched it like th- i i it's one of the episodes of tv that i've seen the most ever possibly the most ever, p- purely on the, on the back of my high school years. Um, so I could probably quote you that pilot word for word. Um, I found it really funny when you asked me if it was one of those anti-comedies, uh, because it's emphatically not that. Uh, it's, it's anti a lot of things, but if anything, being a comedy is the only thing it's committed to. Everything else, I mean structure, discipline, character building... Um, conventional jokes, uh, budgets. Uh, I mean, anything you can think of, coherence, is out the window. It, they'll, this is a show that will do anything for a laugh. Uh, so if anything, it's the anti-anti-comedy. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not for everyone.
0: <laughs> well, and I think what I was keying into in that pilot was that it felt... Because I think that punk aesthetic is a very important part of the show, not just for, for the time that it came out in the 80s, but also in, in the sort of the, the change in comedy that it helped usher in, in, in British comedy. At least according to people who know more about these things, whose articles I've read, that's something that, that apparently the show is responsible for. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, but I, for me, the, the pilot felt like I was being screeched at.
2: Yeah. And
0: the second episode on felt like I felt like I was sitting like they were playing everything to the same level as if they needed to have that in your face attitude all the way for the pl- the person sitting in the back of the room like it really felt like I was watching even just with the dialogue where there's certain things where, where they're saying everything they're doing in case you're in the back of the room and you can't actually see what they're doing, that kind of a thing. Um, so I, maybe I'm just reading too much into that shift from it being a a live show to being, um, or like a comedy group, to being a TV show. But from the time they move into the, their new house after the they get evicted in the pilot, um, just the the structure, not the structure, but the um, the approach from everyone is still, they're still at 11. They're all... Very specific approaches, but um, I didn't feel like I was being screeched at in the same way. Am I crazy, John?
2: Uh, Maybe you got used to it. I think um, they were all stand-ups and sketch performers at that time, and they were coming from the alt scene in London. So they were very used to standing on a stage with no sets, no props, and yelling. (laughs) Probably no PA (laughs) at most of the time. So I think they came to that pilot with that. And there was a good amount of time between the pilot and the second episode. So, uh, I think you do have a point there. Uh, I still maintain that that tone of just being yelling at you and being angry for kind of murky reasons <laughs> maintains itself through all 12 episodes. Uh,
1: this is probably as, as good a time as I need to mention for anyone who hasn't seen the show that, um, another thing that sort of sets it apart is the fact that there's a musical performance in all episodes except for one um and that was something that really appealed to me about it when uh when i was a kid because i mean you had it made dexie's midnight runners show up and the damned and Motorhead and a a few others uh yeah madness um and you know that ended up Sort of getting me into a few of these bands. I, I still love Dexy's Minute Runners. I think they're a fantastic band. Um, and I, and I would imagine that, for, especially for a, for an American or North American audience, that had to be a big part of its cult appeal. I also like the, the fact that apparently the only reason they had bands was that so that they would qualify as a variety show and then get a higher budget. Can you imagine the show with a lower budget?
2: <laughs> yeah. Not, not much. It would be Doctor Who. The <laughs> original yeah. Doctor Who. But, Yeah, I think that that helps it a lot because there's mostly punk bands on there. And the first network that ever showed it in America was MTV back at the time when they showed music. So I think I think that helped it cross over and get it a little further beyond the PBS crowd that which was the only network at that time running BBC programs. Yeah, I love I love the bands because they just add to the stream of consciousness. There's no reason for any of those bands to be in their living room at all. But there's no reason for half the things that happen in an episode to happen.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised how seamless it is, because that's something that I had heard about the show beforehand. Um, so I was kind of curious how that was going to go. But they, they it'll just be like a toss-off line of dialogue. It was like, well, then why are there only four people here? What are you talking about? There's name of band and now musical performance. And then immediately transition out of it... Very, you know, like I, for a show completely unconcerned with uh, transitions, I think they actually do a really good job going into and out of the, the musical performances in a way that doesn't feel, many, like by acknowledging how ridiculous it is and not even trying to make it part of the plot, they actually are way more successful than they have any right to be.
2: Right. The second season even more because m- mostly the bands are outside. And they'll just they'll just pick two locations, they'll walk from their house to another location, and then that band will be on the street.
0: Yep, sing singing our house. <laughs> <In one laughs> exactly. Example. You know, it's great. Uh, and uh again I think the the music that they the bands that they have on the show does fit really well with the tone of the show and the, the approach. And it occurs to me we're like a third of the way into this and we actually haven't said what the show is about. <laughs> so, John, do you wanna take mean, that away? Is it
2: about anything really? I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, that, and that's interesting. I was just thinking about this before we went on the air. I discovered it a little later. Um, Kate, I know you're saying how it encapsulates that era of the early 80s, but I find it really encapsulates that era uh, when you spoke to Simon of being in your late teens to early 20s. If you're that kind of frustrated, creative individual, it speaks to you. And I saw it in the mid-90s when Comedy Central ran it, and I was already a fan of Blackadder. And I'd heard a lot of rumors about it, but it came to me at a point when Seinfeld and the Simpsons were happening and, and Quentin Tarantino in film and everyone was talking about how they were breaking the rules. They were breaking things down. And when I saw the young ones, I was like, there is so much more to break down than Seinfeld is doing just sitting on a subway for 20 minutes. They, they had, per- they had taken the sitcom and just raised it to the ground because you got the feeling that they did not like it. Uh, which is kind of what punk was doing. You know, the Ramones were playing 50s doo-wop songs really loud and really fast. And I felt like that's what they were doing with the sitcom. They were doing these classic sitcom tropes really loud and really fast.
1: At the same time, I, I, though, I think what, uh, what appealed to me about it uh, was, A, that, that the combination of this, it's just, it's filthy and gross, and not in terms of gross humor, although there is a little bit of that, but it, it's just, it's grody. There, that's like the the term of my youth that best applies to it. It's just it's cheap and it's it smells bad and it's it's funny. Yeah, it looks funny. Bad. Everything um,
0: looks sticky. Everything
1: yes. just looks. Everything looks like it's got film on it. Yeah. Um. And not the good kind. But uh, <laughs> at, at, but at the same time, uh, as much as it has like a punk aesthetic, it doesn't have the self seriousness uh, that can that can taint uh, things that come out of that subculture uh it doesn't take i mean these characters don't have real convictions at all um they think they do particularly uh uh, particularly rick but you know as soon as anyone brings up this could make us a lot of money or this could get us out of here or you know someone complaining about the size of their grant uh you know really none of these characters has any any earnest political beliefs
2: right yeah the idea of rick is that he's contrarian and he, he's one of those people you meet in college that's anti-establishment and as i was watching these again i realized how timely he is now in a post-political correctness is they're making joke, he's making jokes about uh thatcher and personal freedom there's jokes about feminism that feel like they were written this month just it it reminded me like how taking yourself seriously it never goes out of date and i think that's that's what they're taking aim at in the whole show is they take aim at anything that takes itself too seriously, including the types of characters that they are.
0: Well, one of the things I really like about it is I think it really captures, you know, the those again, for those who haven't seen it, it's about four guys who are who live together, uh, who are all theoretically in university. But we never see and we, like we hear about them taking their final in the, the last episode. And that's, that's about it. Um, or heaven forbid having to go to class. Um, but we never actually see them do anything like that. So it's just it's these four very different um, men, young men who are living together in a flat and that's, that's the show. But what I really appreciate about it is it captures some of the energy of that. Like when there's the threat of one of their parents coming for a visit, just the, the manic frenzy to clean up the house, uh, feels very real. And just there's certain elements of, um, you know, like, we never clean the bathroom, it's a point of pride. Uh, there, there are certain elements to that dynamic that I think the show really captures, as well as I love that there's not a straight guy. There's not, like, the normal one in with this wacky bunch of people. Every one of them is an extremely uh, heightened character, very much a type, and I, I like that they don't, especially the, it was a cool mic, they don't make him actually normal. And no, I- he's
2: he's clearly 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and insane.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it, 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 they they balance each other all very well in a way that I wouldn't have expected.
1: At the same time, there's something odd about the ensemble that I think works, which is that a lot of, you know, people talk about, Oh, the ensemble really came together and they have great chemistry. And I, I don't find that really happens on the young ones. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, it feels often like you're watching four guys do their routines simultaneously
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: room. And like, it's almost like they don't in they often don't even acknowledge each other's statements or like have any they don't play off of each other really they just sort of all play it's like listening to it's like that Flaming Lips album that you need four record players to listen to properly
2: yeah and when you bring Alexi Sale into it I I feel like he's on a completely different show than everyone else
0: yeah
1: yeah that's actually my favorite bit of the pilot when he you, when he you think he's playing like the funny for the you know the funny foreigner character and then he. Breaks the fourth wall and, real, and, and and you realize that, no, he's actually British and very, very annoyed at all of this. And then goes back into this sort of Andy Kaufman-esque thing that he's doing. Um, I just love that.
0: Well, when you talk about this, like, the four are just kind of all doing their own thing. That also, for me, feels very authentic for people who aren't friends. They just live together. And so that just sort of makes them friends because they end up hanging out. They're, they don't have any fondness for one another they just are sort of in the same space and so by default spend all their time together and i I think having yeah, they they all have these roles within the group within the dynamic that they relish i mean neil loves to be able to complain that nobody else helps out around the house but he also allows them to walk all over him like they, they each have their own role um but Again, this is not a show concerned with heartwarming moments of bonding and brotherhood. This is a show that's again going to have them all yelling at each other's face about how they're terrible, <laughs> and hopefully be funny along the way.
2: Yeah, when when I would watch this in college, I'd watch it with my best friend all the time. We'd watch the VHS over and over again, and he used to say every time we watched it, they hate each other so much, and they and they do. In the first episode, Neil commits attempts suicide, and they're all disappointed when he survives.
0: Mm -hmm. He's not very good at it.
2: No, he's terrible
0: at it. But when you're watching a character like Neil, who's the put-upon member of the house, but with the performance that that we get there, you you can't, like, how could you not? Because you're terrible. You're so (laughs) passive-aggressive. You're so annoying. I want to reach into the TV. You keep going on about your lentils. Nobody else wants to eat lentils, so you don't get you know you don't get any kudos for making them for everyone.
1: And, and by the way, uh, if you if you have any fondness for lentils, you probably shouldn't watch the young ones because <laughs> they get brutalized on, on the show. This show for, yeah,
2: but it does spill out of a wall at one point, so if you're into lentil porn, <laughs> there's plenty of lentils to stare at.
1: Yeah, I feel like we also need to mention the fact that as much as this is a show about four guys that also has you know musical sequences, there's also also. Just these random asides that happen in, I think, every episode where, you know, all of a sudden you'll be seeing some rats that hang out in the building talking. Uh, That happens a few times. Or they'll crash through a wall and will talk to the neighbors for a while. Just on their own, not involving the other characters. Uh, Or someone will, it's almost, I dare say it almost predicts, you're going to hate that I said this, it almost predicts the joke structure of Family Guy. Where, you know, someone will say something and then you'll just cut to whatever it is they're talking about, except it's in reality and way more surreal.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely accurate. The cutaway structure of it or, or zoom into the cereal box or the photo on the wall and then ca- pan the camera over and see what's happening just off out of the frame of the of the picture on the wall. Like it, those little things, because of the tone of the show overall, they fit in way better than they should. And actually, sometimes it's nice to get a little break from our former yes. characters.
2: <laughs> They tired you out, didn't they, Kate?
0: Well, I you know, I also watched all of this in a row in six oh. hours, straight. <laughs> <What>? like, <laughs> so that would do it. So
2: a puppet really <laughs> breaks that up nicely. Yeah. By the way, the worst puppets I've ever seen. <laughs> They're awful. And, and, and that counts like children making puppets.
0: <laughs> They're delightfully terrible. I, I, again, I think it adds to the aesthetic.
1: I, I'm just trying to imagine watching this in six hours is... Six hours of Vivian alone. <laughs> well
2: the That's whole show the whole show runs on this manic energy that you mentioned before in Sick when the when uh the parents are coming over. The show the show survives survives on that when when they have to sell a bad joke or when they've gone through four different plots in ten minutes and they're not coming back to any of them. Like anytime they're out on a limb, that energy just kind of keeps them going till they can get to the next ledge. And again, that goes back to punk. Cause if you ever watch, uh, anything that Rick and Adrian have done later, the shows like bottom, they, you can't keep that up forever. And, and it's one thing to watch 20 year olds live in a horrible house that's falling apart and hate each other. Uh, it's quite another thing to watch 40 year olds live in a horrible house and hate each other, which is what bottom is. And they made more episodes of bottom, but it's not remembered in the way young ones is. I've,
0: it's, you know, thinking of those episodes of uh, of Blackadder with Flashheart, I think I think I'm gonna have to watch them again now that I have this context to compare it to. Because the non sequitur approach in those episodes that feels complete, like the abandonment of character of everything we've seen from everyone on Blackadder, as soon as Flashheart shows up, it was very frustrating to me watching Blackadder. But um, I, and I'm sure, in the context of Blackadder, I'm still not a fan. But with this. Context to bring to it, I, I feel like there's a level of meta enjoyment. I will get to those those scenes now that I have this uh, context to really you know inform my viewing of it. Um, we we've talked we mentioned Vivian briefly here, but I feel like we should talk a little bit about about Vivian because we haven't the yeah, others. I think that's the character that I connected to or enjoyed. I guess the, I don't want to say enjoyed the least. It feels <laughs> too harsh, but I connected to that character the least, mostly because it, that one felt the most. One note, like, I felt like we got to see, especially with Rick and with Mike, less with Neil, but with, with those three, we got to see more willingness and more flexibility in them. For example, they have their principles, or whatever, or their things that they say they believe, and then as soon as the situation merits it, they'll switch things up, and have, I felt like there's more variety with them. Vivian, less so. Um, did the character, does that character work better for you guys than it does for me? Well,
1: I would say Vivian is unique in the sense that He's probably the most principled character in the sense that, um, you know, Rick claims to be uh, lots of things that he isn't. He's the uh, people's poet, right? Oh god, I love his poetry. Yeah. Um, totalitarian vegetables, um, but 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 Vivian, I mean, he's a crust punk slash anarchist uh, who really likes to smash and eat things that aren't edible. And that's pretty, mu- that's pretty much his belief system, and he pretty much sticks to it. So in a way, he's the only character who has
2: integrity. Yeah, he's animal. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's animal from The Muppet Show. But you're right, son. He is, he is the one probably with the most confidence. Mike walks around with feigned confidence that he can't back it up. But Vivian does what he says and says what he does and speaks his opinion immediately. He, do- he doesn't think about the rest of the room. Yeah. He does get he does get excited about things in the way that animal would. Like the, he's not always angry, but you're right there's no vulnerability to Vivian.
1: I also I feel like Mike is the character who predicts the most other characters in the future of sitcoms like the cool guy who isn't really cool and is actually like completely strange. Like to me that connects to like Joel McHale on Community or um I would say even uh Dave from Happy Endings, the guy who's like the cool guy, but nobody thinks he's cool and he's really just super lame and weird.
0: Well, and that's a just a trope from sitcoms where they try to introduce somebody or have a central character who's cool and then they realize that's not funny. And so then, and usually, at least based on the actors I've met, many of them are not cool. <laughs> you don't go into acting because you're cool. You go into acting because you have these other elements to your personality that you need to express, this creative part of yourself. Um That is far more interesting and quirky than than cool.
2: And that's Fonzie. I mean if you go back before the young ones, Henry Winkler is one of the nerdiest people you will ever meet who was who became the coolest person in the 70s for doing a cartoon of someone in the 50s. And the more they did with Fonzie, the weirder they made him. It was like he was afraid of liver and you know, he would jump his he would keep his motorcycle in the house and he had an office in a public bathroom. The more, the more you learned about Fonzie, Fonzie, the weirder he got. And I think there's a lot of Fonzie and Mike.
0: I would not have made that connection, but I think that's, that's absolutely, that absolutely makes sense. The, the, in this the second episode. He's turned the spare, the person's bedroom into a roller disco overnight. Yeah. That feels like something of the Fonz would do. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, what do we think owes a debt to the young ones uh, in in terms of its tone and its structure? Because I, I kept thinking of Spaced on this viewing.
0: Yeah, there's a couple. The, the, I think of the Nick Frost character on Spaced. I feel like he oh, would I was fit thinking in. of Brian. I, yeah, I think they would both fit in wonderfully in this group.
2: Yeah, I think I think you also hit it on the head with Community because community Community is a show a uh, that is not concerned with sitcoms. And as hard as Dan Harmon, especially in the early years, tried to make it a traditional sitcom, his brain didn't work that way. And he just ended up deconstructing everything and creating these characters that kind of hate sitcoms and are apart from everyone else. And, and we've said, you know, things like cutaways um, in Family Guy and uh, 90 Simpsons, which is really where Family Guy gets it. Is, there's a lot of that in there.
0: Yeah. I feel like um the last person we, we should make sure to mention a little bit more, because we did already. But Alexei Sale, I, I was so happy when he just started showing up as other people, just sort of was like a swing player to the ensemble. I thought that added a lot of fun and, and gave them a lot more they could do. And uh, I think he ended up really contributing um, a lot more than just if they had kept him as the landlord.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh. It always reminds me of how much I missed Rachel Dratch when she stopped appearing on 30 Rock.
0: That's exactly what I thought of, yeah.
2: Yeah, because she was supposed to have Jane Krakowski's part, and they didn't think she was pretty enough. So Tina Tina Fey was like, just do something every week, and that faded out pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and by they, we mean NBC. We mean
2: NBC, <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: n- not, not Tina Fey. Back <laughs> not when they NBC, were...
2: forever shitting on our dreams. <laughs> yeah, back when they would greenlight great shows and then bat- beat them into the ground
0: yeah yep that 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 was the thing that that happened um anyways do we have any final thoughts on the young ones any favorite episodes or favorite favorite bits like in the pilot for me i knew i was gonna watch at least a lot more of it if not the whole thing even if i had no affinity for it um so i was very glad in the pilot when we get to the point where rick is up on the cross and the nice lady from the church has shown up i was like okay I'm not laughing, but I got I got to give them that. I I feel like maybe there's something in here that's going to connect with me. And then, fortunately, from the next episode on, that was not an issue. Uh, did you guys have, uh, like, did you immediately connect with the show? Did you have any favorite moments early on? Or are there any other final, like, episodes or scenes you want to mention?
1: It's a very negative way to commit suicide. You can never get the lost nail in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: God. I- I- I'll never not have like, huge nostalgia associated with that pilot. Although I also really like the, the third episode. Uh, I think it's the third episode or, or the fourth bomb, um, which is the one that features Dexies. So, yeah, that's also obviously going to be a favorite.
2: Yeah, to me, nothing is better than Bandy. I feel like that, which is the second season premiere, uh, that has everything you want in the show, where they're just they're screaming at each other, and you think the episode's going one way, and then in the middle of it... Uh, Nigel Planner just goes, oh, we're all supposed to be on University Challenge. And then they run out while Motorhead plays Ace of Spades. And then the second half, they compete on University Challenge, which we've been given no indication was going to happen. And they're up against Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Emma Thompson, and Ben Elton. Yep. It, it's just perv- it reminded me, um, which is another correlation, reminded me of Mr. Show. Of how it was just just little DIY show, kind of tucked away in the side, um, but it was full of people that would end up being the milestones of comedy in the next ten years.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was good. That was the last thing I was going to mention. Um, when I threw it out on, to Twitter, of which episode should I make sure that I see in case I c- can't see them all? Everyone said Bambi. That yeah. was the, the the number one people went to, and it's just. Even just on like a nostalgia value, it's just sort of fun to because you can watch some of these other shows and see young Stephen Fry and young Hugh Laurie. It's kind of, it's nice to see young Emma Thompson because uh, though she knew those guys and came up with those guys uh, the same in the same circles uh, during that time, she didn't do the tour like of all the different comedy shows that that Fry and Laurie did. So it's, it was kind of nice to see her pop right. up. Well,
2: there. she she married Kenneth Brano, so she went serious very early, and now. Later in her life, she's doing more comedy.
0: Yeah, and I'm very glad she is because I always enjoy me some Emma Thompson. Well, um, I, I feel, it feels like a strange note to end uh, our conversation of The Young Ones on. But then again, that feels right for The Young Ones. So I guess we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> John, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you and your work online?
2: Um, we're at Caffeinated Comics. We, uh, we put out a new show every Monday morning. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. Uh, we have a Facebook page where we post a lot of geek news during the week and host discussions. So please like us there. My Twitter is at not in my book. I do, uh, we do not have an official show Twitter because I want all the followers for myself. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Or you can find us directly at caffeinatedcomics.blogspot.com, and there's an archive of the 120 shows or so we've done, and um, you can listen to all of them for free.
0: There you go. Um, thank you again, John, so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, and for for those who don't know, that's a a podcast about comic books, but you guys also talk about other pop culture things as well.
2: Right. Yeah, we're we're pretty much a geek podcast. We end up doing a lot of comedy on the show, and we'll have we'll have stand up comedians come in. So this. A discussion like this is very much in our wheelhouse.
0: (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much, John, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.